Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. We're celebrating this holiday season, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. If you don't listen to anything else I have to say, the reality about Christmas is this. Jesus lives. He lives. He, he came into our human experience, not only to connect with us, not, but to redeem us. And he rose from the grave as well. And he lives and in him, we have our life and our being, and we can connect with him. So we celebrate him today. Many of us who are here in this room can say that we have willfully given our lives to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we can honestly tell you that it's been the most freeing experience of our lives. That has been the most joyous experience of our lives. So getting together like this, it's not something that we do just out of mere tradition, just because we think it's the right thing to do. But we get together because it is the outflow of a heart that has experienced the manifest glory of God. I want to repeat that again. We get together like this, not just because we like a service on Sunday morning. We get together because we've experienced a real God who's really alive. And so this is the appropriate response of a people who are in love with their maker, who come to celebrate him because he's worthy, amen? Because he's worthy. And if you look around this room, you'll find that there are people that will testify to you that they have connected with this real God that we celebrate this Christmas. They will tell you, we've received forgiveness from a merciful God. They will tell you, we have experienced his healing touch in our lives. They will tell you, we have been delivered from multiple addictions. We have seen him restore our lives and our families. We have witnessed his deliverance over demonic oppression that held our lives bound. We have felt the tenderness of his care in dark and tough places. We have been changed by the power of his word, and we have been filled by his Holy Spirit. Amen. Just go around this room, and people will testify, this God that we serve is not just an idea. It's definitely not a political party. He is a real God who really lives. And because of this, our Christmas is complete. My Christmas is every year, 365 days, 24-7, complete. I don't have to wait till Christmas to see what's under the tree. Some of us don't even, I don't even got a tree up. <laughs> I don't have to wait. You want to know why? Because in Jesus, my Christmas is complete. The Bible really does say, and God does mean it, all that you have, that you have all that you need for life and godliness, that you may escape the corruption of this world and participate in the divine nature. Wow. Isn't that amazing? To participate in a relationship with God. And so one of my main prayers that I pray every day is, God, I want to live a life of contentment. Rescue me from consumerism because in you, my Christmas is complete. I have everything that I need. Bless God. So today, as we turn to the Word, we not only gather and worship because it is the outflow of a heart that's thankful, we not only have experienced the power of God in our lives, but we turn to the Word of God, not because we must, but because to us it is living water. It not only brings us life, but also transforms our lives. And so I'd like to welcome you today. Would you pray with me? Would you repeat after me as we turn into the Word of God? Say, Father God, we turn to your Word that we may live, not just by natural food, but by spiritual food. 
We desperately need the nourishment your word brings. Increase our appetite for truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So uh, we've been going through the Beatitudes, and uh, next week I'd like to welcome you to come and hang out with us. We're going to talk about what it means to be a peacemaker and what it means to live a life that's pure of heart, right? And uh, I'm excited about that, so I'd like to welcome you to come next week. But today we're going to go back and we're going to look at the account, the events of Jesus' life when he was born. And what the Scripture tells us there in that account of Jesus' birth. I want to begin by presenting a question that I believe the, the, Christ, the Christmas account in Matthew answers for us. So we look at that Matthew chapter 1, the latter portion, and we look at chapter 2 of Matthew. I believe that there we find an answer uh, that I think it's, it's really amazing. It tells us about God. It tells us about our character, I mean his character. But I want to answer this question today as we look at that scripture. What, why have I committed my life to be a Christian? Why have many of us here today committed our lives to be Christians? Why are so many of us followers of Jesus today in 2019, about to be 2020? How come some people are still holding on to this Jesus and this old rugged cross and to Christianity? Some today would say, well, Carlos, today's, in today's day, Christianity is not popular. In today's day, Christianity is not relevant in today's day, culture is moving in the opposite direction of Christianity. So why are you still a Christian, which I am going to define as being a follower of Jesus Christ, right? I'm not going to let the world define Christianity for me. Christianity is being a follower of Jesus Christ, no, no matter what the nomination, no matter what, a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Let, me, let me just tell you this about Christianity. It's never really been popular to follow Jesus Christ if you truly, fully follow Jesus Christ. Number two, I want to tell you this. Christianity has always been in opposition to popular culture. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. And to many, even from the very beginning, Christianity was considered irrelevant. Pilate looked at Jesus. Jesus says, I came to testify of the truth. And what did Pilate say? What is truth? What is truth? Paul spoke to the Corinthians and he says, I didn't come to you preaching this wisdom that you seek, this relevant wisdom with all these different gods and all this stuff that you hear in your culture. I came to preach the foolishness of the cross, that your faith would rest in God's power and not in the wisdom of men, right? And over and over again in Romans, we see how Paul just points out to the reality that salvation is found in Jesus, not in the wisdom of man. Some would even say, well, you must be a Christian because you're afraid to face the real world. No. We live in the real world. The Bible says, greater is he that lives in me than him that lives in the world. I know the real world. Right? We're not intimidated of the world or darkness. Right? But greater is he that is in us. Some would say, you must be, you must be a Christian because you think everyone has to think like you. <laughs> no. no, I got a lot of friends who think very differently than me. But we are united in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus unites us. We are from many different nations, many different beliefs, many different things that, 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 that we have uh, battled with in society or whatever it may be, but we are united in Christ. Now, some would say, well, pastor, 
We know you're a Christian, and I get this all the time. You're a Christian because you get paid. You have to be a Christian. It's, fu- it's funny now. Well, people live in there, well, you're a pastor, so you got to be a Christian, right? Because you, you get paid for this, right? I mean, what do you do? Work on Sunday only? <laughs> and you hear all this stuff. <laughs> I promise you, there are better career choices that provide money if money is what I was seeking. But God is faithful, amen? God is faithful. Why then have I committed my life to be a fo- Why have we committed our lives to be followers of Jesus? What is it that makes us followers of Jesus when Christianity is definitely not popular today? When having Christian values today is not acceptable today? When in a season like this, saying Merry Christmas could offend the whole world, right? What, what, what's the deal here? Why am I a Christian? And the answer is this. Because I know the character of God. I know who he is. I know him. I know not only just the system of beliefs. I know not only some doctrine or theology. I know him. And I know his character. And I know what he does. Matthew chapter 1 begins to tell us reasons why we believe what we believe. So I'm going to go ahead and read that scripture found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 on down. It reads this way. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as Lord appeared um, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until, in other words, he was not intimate with her until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Reason number one, why do I believe? Because God reveals himself to those who hunger for him. God is the God who reveals himself to you and I. He's a God of revelation. He is the God who shows himself to those who seek him. God makes himself and his will known to those who seek him. Here in this portion of scripture that we just read, we are told something powerful and it cannot be ignored. We are told that God operates within the human realm in a real and intimate way. Notice what the Bible tells us. It tells us that the Holy Spirit filled Mary, right? The Holy Spirit filled Mary, human Mary, broken Mary, Mary born in a sinful nature like each and every one of us, but Mary a seeker of God, right? But in her brokenness, divine, holy, perfect God said, I will meet her in that brokenness. I will meet her in that condition, and I am going to deposit in her womb the greatest miracle the world will ever know. Isn't that incredible? Number one reason why I serve the Lord Jesus and I'm a Christian is because God makes himself known. 
We are told also that God speaks to those who seek him in their lives. Notice there, not only did God say, I'm going to deposit my spirit in Mary, and Mary's going to carry the great miracle of my son who will bring salvation to everyone, but notice, notice how God spoke to Joseph. Joseph had made up his mind. He said, I'm leaving, you know, but I don't want to put her to shame. I don't want to embarrass her culturally. He had made plans. And what did God do? God intervened. And he told them, this is from me. This is my will. Joseph made up his mind, and God met him in that place, and God redirected his steps. So I love the Lord because he shows himself, and he shows his will. We're also told that God does not motivate through fear. Notice what God said to Joseph. God said to Joseph, Joseph, do not fear. That's so good. Over and over again throughout the Bible, when God reveals himself to his people, when God wants to reveal himself to people, one of the most powerful things that God does is he reassures people by saying, do not fear. That's good news. It should change radically the way we view God if we view God as this judge who's ready to condemn us or to punish us. It should show us the reality that when God reveals himself, his desire is to draw us in, to make his will clear to us rather than condemn. His word for you and I who follow him is simple. Do not fear. Do not fear. The Bible says Daniel fasted for 21 days. I'm looking forward for 21 days, right? And after that 21 days that God revealed himself, what was the word for Daniel at first? Do not fear. God is for you, not against you. The Bible says that Gabriel showed up to Mary. And what was the word that Gabriel first declared to Mary? Do not fear. Our God is a God, listen, that does not motivate through a spirit of fear. Why am I a Christian? Why am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus doesn't look at me and say, if you come to me, I'm going to nitpick at every single one of your sins, and I'm going to show you how wrong you are. No, he says to me, come to me, you who are weary and thirsty, and I will give you rest. Rest, not fear. Our God does not motivate through fear. We're told here that God reveals himself as deliverer and as presently engaged. What does the Bible say to Joseph? You will call his name Jesus. And he is the one that's prophesied about whose name is Emmanuel. So we have two names that have been given to our God. Number one, he is the one that will deliver you and I. Jesus is your deliverer, Jessica. He's your deliverer, Rita. Jesus is your deliverer. And by the way, he's not just going to deliver and then disappear and wash his hands off of you and say, okay, you better do better now. He says, no, I am Emmanuel. I am with you. And the God that we serve is not only one who cleans us up. He doesn't doesn't just clean us up, but he says, now I'm going to live with you. And you're going to be holy because I'm holy. Because I'm doing life with you, you're going to learn how to do life like me. Because I'm not going to leave your side. That's really good news. That means that holiness doesn't depend on you first. It depends on him. And as we say yes to him, he works that out in us as we continue to say yes to his work in us. We say no to the flesh, and Jesus teaches us how to walk in the spirit. That's really, anybody thankful for that? Holiness depends on him. Holiness depends on him. But also as we continue, we're told in that very scripture 
another reason. Uh, as we continue to read, not only is God a God who reveals himself, who shows himself, who makes himself known, but God is the God of the universe and of all people who has all the resources of the known and unknown world at his disposal. <laughs> the God is the God of the universe and of all the peoples of this world who has all of the resources of the known and the unknown world at his disposal. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 on down. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. God is the God of the universe and of all people. And he has all the resources of the unknown world and the known world at his disposal. Notice what has happened in this scene. There are some men from the east not from Israel, possibly from Babylon. But I just want you to notice this big deal. It means that salvation is not just for a select few. It means that salvation is for every nation, for every tribe, and for every tongue. Wasn't it beautiful what happened here at the altar this morning? A scripture was read with different languages, right? It was just like, I was like, that's it. I'm in heaven. I'm ready, big Jesus. Just rapture me. I'm, I've seen it all. <laughs> I just love to see that, right? It's the reality of the kingdom of God. It means that people have been waiting for a savior from all over the world, right? But not only do you see other peoples, right? Not, not only do you see all the people, but you also see that the universe responds to the savior. Isn't that incredible? There was a star in the universe. I want you to think about this, because Christianity is not against science. I don't, I don't know what a secular scientist may have told you, but there is, there is harmony between science and God, right? He is the creator of science. Science is just the study of things, right? And God, who, who knows science better than our God? And when the creator of the world who breathed out stars was born, there was a star to signal his birth. In the universe. That's a powerful reality. Does the universe really respond like that to Jesus? Well, what happened when he died on the cross? The Bible clearly tells us midday, the universe turned dark. All of the universe responding to our Savior God. 
So here you got stars responding to his birth. Here you got wise men coming from the east to celebrate this savior. And then what do they do? They give gifts to him, expensive gifts, right? Super expensive gifts. And can you just imagine Mary and Joseph's face as this is happening? Okay. I mean, it must have been some like crazy time, right? First, they're in the manger and shepherds come and they're worshiping. A couple years later, here come these wise men with gifts that they couldn't afford. You wonder if there's, sure could have used that frankincense to uh, pay for a hotel when this kid was born. (laughs) I mean, who knows? You know what I mean? But it's just incredible. Here is treasure that they couldn't afford, right? But God has all the resources available to him to celebrate and to invest in whatever he wants to invest. Why do I serve Jesus? Why am I a Christian? Because all of the universe responds to who he is. Because all of the people are his. Because I know that his word says that his will is that none should perish, but that all will have eternal life. And I know that I lack nothing in him. I have everything, everything that I need. Because every resource is his. And that's good news. Reason number three. And we're going to close with this. Let's just recap. Why am I a Christian? Why are so many of us followers of Jesus? Because God makes himself known. Because God is the God of all the people, of all the universe, and of all the resources. Number three, because God is a God who intervenes. He is the God of intervention. And when God intervenes in your life, it's because he has good intended for you. When God intervenes in your life, it's because he has your best interest in mind. We're going to read the last portion of Scripture, and this is intimidating. I want you, if you can, please, to put yourself in the shoes of Joseph. Your son, that's Mary's son, really conceived by the Holy Spirit, that God has now given you the responsibility to parent. Emmanuel, Jesus. And this king the Savior King that is going to grow in that reality has real enemies that you're not even aware of. But because of God's intervention, you're made aware of it, and you got to make changes in your lives to accommodate for God's will in your life. Why don't you just think about Joseph's reality? He's thinking about leaving. God says, don't leave. i got a plan in this. And look at all the things that unfold after. So verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. What kind of dream is this? And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I've called my son. Then after this portion of scripture where Herod uh, finds out that he was deceived. So he goes on a rampage trying to kill everybody that was born in Bethlehem because the wise men deceived him or the wise men didn't tell him where Jesus was. And verse 19, we're going to pick up at verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that 
Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled. That he would be called a Nazarene. Now here you got Joseph's reality. And you see that God intervenes at every moment. Number one, Joseph made up his mind to leave and God intervenes and says, no, this is my plan. I'm redirecting your steps. Number two, Herod made up his mind to kill Jesus and God intervened and didn't allow Herod to have his way. Three, the wise men were going to tell Herod where Jesus was, but God intervened and told them, don't tell him anything. Go another way. Now, I want you to I'm pretty sure that the first way they were going to go was going to be the easiest route. Now, go another way. Joseph, Joseph did not know what the birth of Jesus would mean, what it would mean that Mary would carry the son of the living God and what it would entail. He didn't know how to plan for that, but God was there to direct his steps to let him know exactly where he needed to go. Egypt was not the idea of Joseph. It was the idea of God. Joseph did not have a plan because he had no idea, but God had a plan. And then ultimately afterward, Joseph was told to go back to Israel. But not just any part in Israel, but specifically where to go in Israel so that he would be safe and so that prophecy would be fulfilled. Why are so many of us believers today? Why have we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Because when we know him and when we see his character in Scripture, we find that God is a God of intervention. Now, I am a follower of Jesus because he cares for me better than I can care for myself. We are followers of Jesus because he cares for us. But in order for us to experience this care, it, it demands a radical trust and surrender to his will. And radical trust and surrender sound as uncomfortable as it is. We make, make it romantic. We make sing about it. I surrender. Oh. But when the rubber meets the road, it is the end of trusting in our ability and saying to God, I trust you even when it's uncomfortable, even when you're rerouting me and telling me to go the long way, even when you're telling me to go live with the people I don't even like, even when you're telling me to go live in the hood where people don't want me to live, Nazareth. Even, even, when, I, even when my life has been completely redirected from what I wanted it to be, I will trust you. And so the words of our friend Zach Mobius, who's a missionary to uh, an undisclosed area right now, he said this, God is faithful, but comfort is not the compass for God's will for his people. Comfort is not the compass for God's will for his people. But I'm going to tell you something. It is a beautiful thing to trust in the intervention of Yahweh and the intervention of a God, and to put our, our lives solely in his hands. Say, what am I to do but to trust you? Will you stand with me today? I used to say, 
And I used to let this trump me. And I would really struggle with this statement. People would ask me, and I would battle with it. Lord, if you're a good God, how come you allow so much evil to happen in this world? People ask me that all the time. That the God that you serve allows this and that and this and that? If you're a good God, I would ask, why do you allow so much evil in the world? And that would really affect my relationship with God. But then I realized something very clear in Scripture. God's created us, and he's given us a free will. And given us that free will, he's allowed us to make choices either for or against him. Because in order for us to have a relationship with God, that relationship has to be rooted in the supreme ethic of love. If there is no choice, there is no real love. In order for love to be, there has to be real choice. Our choices have ramifications. When we choose choices that are against God's will, there are our choices. And therefore, those consequences, there are consequences. They don't belong to God. We shouldn't look to God and blame him for the consequences of the evil that we've ushered into our own families, into our own lives because of our own choices. Nonetheless, why do I serve Jesus? Because even though I have broken my life and shattered it to pieces, I have found that when I've come to God with my brokenness, I find a God who says, I will intervene in your brokenness, and I will take that brokenness, and I will make you whole, and I will do something that you cannot even think of or imagine because I am a God of restoration. So it's not... I no longer say, why do you allow so much evil in this world? I say, wow, our God intervenes even with all the evil that's in this world. Our God intervenes even with all the evil that I've committed. Our God intervenes even though we're not worthy. Praise God for Emmanuel, God with us. Praise God. So, Father, we turn to you today. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. You're a God who makes himself known. All the resources of the world, the entire known and unknown universe, and every people group, they're yours. And Lord, you're a God who intervenes in our lives. You came and deposited yourself in Mary for our good. You declared your name to be Jesus, Savior. You declared your name to be Emmanuel, God with us, for our good. You lived in Nazareth, where someone said, can anything good come out of that place? You lived in Nazareth for our good. You were born humble and lowly and destitute in a manger for our good. You rerouted Joseph and Mary, and their route wasn't as easy as some would say, well, if you're God, why don't you just make things easy? But you did that for our good. You're a God who intervenes in our lives. And we thank you today. So, Lord, even right now as we enter into this altar time, We are before you. 
deal with our hearts. The altar workers could join me here at the altar. I believe strongly the, the Holy Spirit is here. I believe strongly the Holy Spirit is here. I believe strongly that God would say to us, will you trust me? There are many of us here who God is saying, I'm leading you to a full surrender. I'm leading you to a full surrender. Some of us have asked questions about that full surrender. Well, you know, is it going to be comfortable? Is it going to make sense? Is it going to be that, 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 that? Is it going to be? God is saying, will you just trust me? God said to Peter, just do my work. And Peter said, well, why not John? Why me? Why not? How about that guy? God said to Peter, what, what does John have to do with you, man? Just follow me. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I want to live a life of full surrender. And I realize that there's areas in my life that I need to welcome God into. More so, not just areas of my life. I just want to place my life into his hands and say, do your work. Do your will. It's time. I don't want to keep going through cycles that don't bring growth. Do your will. If that's you today, would you come up to the altar, say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I want to live and surrender before you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Some of you are here today, and God has been intervening in your life. Whether he's been showing himself to you through dreams, or whether he's been making his will known in one way or another, He's been speaking to you, and he's been speaking to you super clear. He's been calling you close to him. And, uh, I, you know, you've been kind of pushing it to the side and saying, well, I'm just going to try to ignore that. But he just keeps trying to get your attention over and over again. And the Lord's saying, he's calling us. How, how much longer can we live ignoring God's intervention? And it is his tender grace trying to save us from the consequence of disobedience. Would you respond to the love of the Father and say, God, I, I hear you loud and clear. So maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I want to respond to God's intervention. I give him permission to speak and I will say yes to his will. I will not ignore him anymore. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Just respond to the Lord and just come to the altar right now right now. Then we're going to close with this. Well, I follow Jesus because he reveals himself. I follow Jesus because he's given me great joy. He, he supplies all of my needs and he intervenes in my life, but I don't want to just brag about it. I want to welcome you into that. I want to welcome you, welcome you into the family of God. So if you're here today and you, if you don't know the Lord, we'd love to welcome you into this family. We'd love to welcome you into the kingdom. Or if you're here today and you have backslid and you've walked away from your relationship with God, I want you to know that there's a God who opens his arms to you and says, come back home. Come back home. It's time. So if you need prayer, we'd love to hang out with you and pray with you here at the altar. Would you come up? If that's you, would you come up? We'd love to pray with you. Amen. We're going to close today. Father, bless your church. Remind us why we believe what we believe. Because you're a God who makes himself known. Because you're a God who meets all our needs. 
who loves all people, who has a plan, because God, you're a God who intervenes. Lord, I bless your church. I, I pray for every person here that they would truly experience the purpose, the reason for Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. The altars are open if you need prayer. Have a great day. El nacimiento de Jesucristo fue como sigue. Estando su madre María comprometida para casarse con José, antes de que se llevara a cabo el matrimonio, se halló que había concebido por obra del Espíritu Santo. Entonces José, su marido, siendo un hombre justo y no queriendo denunciarla públicamente, quiso abandonarla en secreto. Pero mientras pensaba en esto, se le apareció en sueños un ángel del Señor, diciéndole, José, hijo de David, no temas recibir a María tu mujer, porque el niño que se ha engendrado en ella es del Espíritu Santo, y dará a luz un hijo, y le pondrás por nombre Jesús, porque Él salvará a su pueblo de sus pecados. Kanyaga Garpiniai or Magane Prasavikim, Avan Devam Namodure and Artamala Emmanuel and the Pedivilikim, and the Kata Pravajak and Mukhandanam Arlicheda, Nivertiaguan, Ido came Samboichu. Yosef Orakamunar Nakatavinde Dudan Kalpiches of Ole Cheda, Padia Chertagundu. Akalat the Loga Mukim, Pereveri Chartanam and the Augustos Kaiser de Uradna Propertu, Kurino Serenad Warmbol. ഈ ഒന്നാമത്തെ ചാർത്തലുണ്ടായി എല്ലാവരും ചാർത്തപ്പെടേണ്ടതിന് താന്താന്റെ പട്ടണത്തിലേക്ക് യാത്രയായി അങ്ങനെ യോസേഫും ദാവീദിന്റെ ഗൃഹത്തിലും കുലത്തിലും ഉള്ളവൻ ആകുകൊണ്ട് തനിക്ക് വിവാഹം നിശ്ചയിച്ചിരുന്ന മറിയ എന്ന ഗർഭിണിയായ ഭാര്യയുടെ കൂടെ ചാർത്തപ്പെടേണ്ടതിന് ഗലീലയിലെ നസ്രൈത്ത് പട്ടണം വിട്ട് യഹൂദിയിൽ ബേത്തലഹേം എന്ന ദാവീദിന്റെ പട്ടണത്തിലേക്ക് പോയി Ojo re pe ti ohun yobi o si bi akobi re omokunrin o si fi oja we o si tesi inu isinu ibuje ran nitori aye ko si fun won ninu ilero awon olusho agun ton be ti won gbe ni ilu na won so agbo agun ton won ni oru ni papa ti won gbe angeli oluwa si yo si won ogo oluwa si ran yin won ka ero si ba won gidigidi Angeli na si wi fun won pe ma beru shawo mumu yin rere ayan la fun yin wa ti o se ti eniyan gbogbo nitori ati bi olugbala fun yin loni ni ilu dafidi ti se kristi oluwa eyi ni yo si se ami fun yin eyin yo ri omo owo ti a fi oja we odubule ni ibuje eran Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 